sound of praise for your Sunday morning. The only one who could ever teach me. Introducing Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center. Was a son of a preacher man. And Rabbi Joseph Potasnik of Religion on the Line. The only one who could ever teach me. Now, on Talk Radio 77 WABC, here's the Reb and the Rabbi, where faith matters. Good morning, I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, this has been a one hell of a week, I guess is the way to put it theologically. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Yeah, theologically, yeah. 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 How, how did you guys do? Because, you know, you're, you were in the city. I was actually traveling back from Syracuse, New York. We have a one of the largest churches there and got caught in some of the storm. Um, how did you do? Were you okay? I'm okay, but there are others, tragically, who did not make it okay we lost a number of lives and yeah, you know yeah. it's that fragility of life it's so fleeting you know one moment you're there enjoying you know uh, a secure moment the next moment your life could be taken from you and i think people have to recognize that and be grateful savor what you have and protect yourself as much as possible but this is you know this storm not just about rain it's about human life and uh, we uh we mourn for those who were taken from us, and we uh, we try to bring comfort to those who are grieving so deeply. Absolutely. There are families, we are all in our prayers, and also those who survive these things have to deal with the aftermath, yeah. the destruction of property, uh, you know, as well as the grieving process if they've lost life. But you lose property. You you, you have emotional attachments to things. That's, that's very real. I, I think about my, parents. you know, we thank God for that. We're still alive, yeah, but at yeah, the same time, yeah. you know, your yeah. house is gone. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I think of my parents and when I was younger, you know, sometimes you'd be a little irresponsible. Oh, the word little is emphasized. And, you know, you'd be a little fender fender. And my father, you know, you'd say, are you okay? It was the first thing he would say, well, my mom, are you okay? And yeah. I understand property, yeah. but ultimately property, we try to replace people we cannot replace. Yeah, um, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we've got a, a Jewish holiday coming up. We have a major this, uh, this week, this, right? Come someone, on. Well, people what say, does it mean? Tell first us. of all, it means that alternate side of the street parking is suspended. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a practical meaning. <laughs> that's, how you know, okay. that's how you know. It's a, that's the difference between a major holiday and a minor holiday. But um, look, it, it's the beginning of a new year. It's the birthday of the world. Uh, and I'm thinking in all that we went through with COVID, with trying to protect one another, we're trying to heal one another and help one another. I think we can walk into our houses of worship or if we do it online and say, God, we did our best. We really mm. did our best. You know, there are times we walk in and say we could have done better. I think many, well, many could have done better, but I think many of us really, really worked so uh, assiduously to bring hope and honor. I, I think of the clergy of all faiths who kept community together. Here were people physically apart. And yet they use technology to keep them spiritually connected, uh, right. or they, you know, they were very careful in terms of uh, being present in the house of worship. So, you know, it's we're, we're sad, but we're also celebratory in terms of what we were able to accomplish. So, it's a Jewish New Year essentially. And do you reflect on creation? Is that part of? You we know, do. Your we say, yeah, yeah, we, we we do. But at the same time, we also read about Abraham. You know, because you know, you can talk about God and creating the world, but. It, it's also a human story of, of uh, you know, the, 
the dra- the dra- drama in every human family, the drama hmm. you know of the individual. So, uh, but today we're going to talk about a story that is always going to be with us and needs to be with us, and that is what happened on September the 11th. We'll be talking to yeah. former Governor George Pataki, uh, former Fire Commissioner Sal Cassano. Much to yeah. learn from them. I'm looking forward to it. So they uh, people need to stay tuned. Right. right here, 77 WABC, to the Rev and the, the Rabbi. Thank you. We'll be back. Where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, we have two people uh, who really have honored us through their public service. I'm speaking first of former governor, but yet still called governor, George Pataki, the 53rd governor of the state of New York. Former fire commissioner, still called commissioner. Sal Cassano, two people who really helped uh, rebuild our state, our city, taught us that in life, you have to learn sometimes how to begin again, and uh, they have so much uh, that they have taught us, and we continue to learn from them. So welcome, Governor Pataki, Commissioner Cassano. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Happy to be on with you, and happy to be on with the Commissioner. Uh, thank you, Rabbi. Same here. It's happy, I'm very happy to be on with the Governor as well. So looking back, September 11, 2001, and all the time thereafter, as I remember, there was a collaborative spirit. People worked together. It wasn't about the I, it was about the we. I think, uh, sadly, we've lost uh, some of that uh, thinking. Too many people make it about themselves rather than the collective uh, group. Talk about how you were able to bring people together during that critical period. Governor? Well, uh, I'll tell you, to me, it wasn't so much me bringing people together. It's just New Yorkers coming together uh, with a tremendous spirit uh, of uh, of fight. You know, we had been attacked. And, it, you know, today we're separated Republicans, Democrats, black, white, rich, poor, urban, rural. Uh, that day we were attacked and nobody cared. Uh, the attackers didn't care if you were black or white or Republican or Democrat or young or old. They just wanted to kill Americans. And mm-hmm. out of that knowledge, uh, that we were all targeted because of our uh, belief in this wonderful country, we had this tremendous sense of unity. And I think you hit it right on the head. If there's one thing that, to me, is most troubling 20 years later, and there are plenty of things, but one certainly is the fact that instead of us having that sense of unity, that we're all in this together with a common future, that we had, not just on that day, but for years, literally afterwards, uh, now we can't even talk to each other civilly. And uh, we've got to reclaim some of that sense that this this is a great country. We are all a part of this country, and we're all in this together. So I really think it was the people who inspired me as opposed to the other way around. Commissioner? I agree wholeheartedly with what the governor just said. And it was, you know, as far as the FDNY, we, we saw we were going to get help. I mean, the, the the governor was visible. Mayor Giuliani was visible. We had uh, uh, many of our other elected officials visible. 
working together to help us rebuild. And we as a department, we, we relied so much on help from other municipalities to help us get on our feet. We were really knocked on our, you know, literally knocked on our knees because of what happened to us and how many people were killed and how many people were injured, how many people were sick. And because of that, people coming together to help us. You know, when we came down West Street to go to work, and there were people holding signs, no matter what time of the day or night it was, you know, FDNY, NYPD, we support you, we love you. I mean, I can't tell you how much that perked us up, because we were dog tired. Believe me, 18 hours a day, firefighters were going to work at the pile, going home, going to the firehouse, very rarely going home, by the way. They said they were going home, but they weren't. They were going back to the firehouse, working the shift, and coming back to the World Trade Center. The support that we had from our elected officials and the civilians and the people from all over the country really kept us going. And, and as the governor said, we lost a lot of that, and uh, we have to get it back. We really have to get it back. We can get it back. Governor, Commissioner, this is Reverend Bernard. You know, you two are leaders, and leadership tends to be a foul-weather job. You know, no one cares who's in charge until things go wrong or there's a crisis. But that's when leadership shines or lacks luster. And you gentlemen have shined. You've stepped up to the plate. What is it as leaders um, when it comes to this pattern that if we have a common enemy, we come together? And, and, and we, we support each other. And, and then when the common enemy seems to disappear, we go back to uh, the internal feuds. What is that from a leadership perspective? Well, I think sometimes, uh, sometimes it's uh, politically uh, mm-hmm. powerful to demonize your opponent. Uh, and, you know, I think we've lost a great deal of civility in all aspects of our society. Uh, it used to be you ran against someone who um, you may have had different ideas, but you respected. Now it just seems that you try to demonize and destroy the other side. And I honestly think social media is a significant part of that, where um, you can hide behind a of anonymity and just insult and slander and and get away with it. And I think it has just been very destructive of, of us as a society. People should be required to to stand up for what they believe, to be held accountable for what they believe. And and I think if that were the case, we'd have far more of this intelligent dialogue and civility. And uh, you know, Reverend, uh, I think you were right that when we face a common enemy, uh, we generally are able to put aside those differences and come together. Now I'm not so sure, uh, even in the face of a common entity. The, uh, the division in the country has become the greatest in my lifetime, and uh, I love history. And you think back to the Civil War, and you wonder how people could have been so stupid as to uh, generate what they thought would be a short war that cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives without having any concept of what they were walking into. And I look at us today, uh, and I see a country divided, and I fear that our leadership sometimes has that same blindness as to the consequences of what they are doing. And uh, I've always believed that leadership is bringing people together. Uh, When you have a vision, this is not a country where you have the right to simply impose that vision. It's one where you have the right to make the case to try to get people to come together 
they're behind that vision. And to me, the most effective leadership is that leadership that can create a consensus behind it as opposed to dictating how things are going to be. In Washington right now, uh, we're just told this is the way it's going to be. And if you don't like it, you know, if we have one more vote than you do, tough. That's not leadership. That's not the way America should function. But sadly, it is the way it functions today. Mm. Commissioner? Well, I am so happy I'm not in that political realm because the governor was spot on. As far as the fire department, you know, we, people look at us, they look up to us. I mean, you're going to get an occasional bad story, but in in my vision as a leader, it was, how do I make the people around me better? And Mm. if I can make them better, then that's my job as a leader. Not me. It's not about me. It's about the people that work for me or work with me and the public we serve. And we're, we're lucky enough that uh, people look up to us as a department because we're there to help them in time of need. But as far as the political world, it's in a turmoil. I mean, I couldn't agree with the governor more. It's like whatever channel you turn on, it's like you're looking at two different countries. If you're turning on Fox News, it's one report. You turn on CNN, it's another report. And you say, wait, I thought this was the same event. But it's not. It's just like the reporting is terrible, and, and the people that are supposed to bring us together aren't doing their job. And, and they really have to because we're in, a, we're in dire circumstances, and we need to get together as a country. We need to do it fast. You know, if we could uh, borrow from the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, a time to tear down, a time to build. Yeah. And I think some people only read half of it. They're good at tearing down, but they're not proficient in terms of building. And unfortunately, we're living in a, in a climate where if you dare try to build together, you're torn down. You're seen as, as being some kind of villain rather than helping us become victorious. I, I just want to know, Governor Pataki, Commissioner Cassano, obviously, after 9-11, you must have changed somewhat. That must have had such a dramatic impact on your lives. You know, can you talk about, you know, how it, how it altered your thinking? I mean, I, I've often said that we recognize that, you know, we all have our particular faiths, but uh, on that day and all the days thereafter, we realize that we do belong to one family, we belong to one another. How have you changed? You know, I, for us that were lucky enough to survive the collapses of both towers, um, I, you know, without having a, a strong belief in faith, um, it would have been a problem because so many of us lost our closest friends, our, our mentors, our mentees, and without my faith, it would have been very difficult to get through it. And, and we were really, you know, hurting psychologically-wise, no matter who you were or who you are, that had to affect us. And it did. It affected us. Luckily enough, I had a strong family supporting me. When I came home two days later, they were waiting for me on the steps, uh, couldn't wait to hug me, and I couldn't wait to hug them. And that's what drove me is my family, and then the families of the ones that we lost. You know, we, we had to make it better for them. We had to make sure that they understood what happened to their loved ones uh, was not going to happen again because we we're going to be better prepared for the next event. There's always going to be a next event, no matter what it is, whether it's man-made or it's natural. There's always going to be another event because of the city we live in and the country we live in. And, you know, my focus from that day on was how do we make this department better and how do we take care of our families? That we the who lost their loved ones because their loved ones are gone, but they're still going to be here. How do we hmm. make life easier for them? And that's what drove me for sure. And again, having my family to back me to do that, you know, it was 
Mm. Tremendous. Governor? Well, I think the, Sal just just hit it on the head, you know, and, and how you dealt with the loss of 343 uh, firefighters on that day is something I will ever uh, look at you with admiration because what you, what Commissioner Von Essen and others did, uh, just tremendous courage in the face of unspeakable loss that no one could have ever anticipated. There are, there are a couple of things that stand with me today. One, of, one is faith. You know, I went to so many funerals, we all did, uh, uh, and just saw the importance of uh, that faith to those families who had lost their loved ones in such a horrible fashion. And on that morning, September 11th, the morning, uh, after I went into my office and activated all our emergency response teams and everything, and before I walked down the ground zero, I actually went to St. Patrick's and said a little prayer and it, uh, with Cardinal Egan, who happened to be there. And it just was uh, very comforting and an extremely difficult time. But I think another thing that many New Yorkers and Americans realized that day, too, that it's, uh, that was changed. Whether or not still today, uh, I don't know. But you realize that the real hero wasn't a guy who could hit um, um, 75 home runs in a year or or dunk a basketball. It was the person who went to work uh, wearing a firefighter's uniform or an EMT or police officer's uniform. It was the construction worker who took pride in what they did. It was uh, people from all walks of life who rose to the occasion uh, and they were the heroes. They were the ones who really uh, from the bottom up made this uh, city and made this country proud of the response in the face of this unspeakable terror. So the fact that uh, it's not the, the superstar athlete or actor who should be the ones we heroize. It's the person who does their job with pride and dignity every day. And the fact that whenever, not just when you have this tremendous loss every day, uh, that faith that allows us to understand that there are things we don't understand, but that there is someone looking out for us means a great deal to me and I think to many others. In the back of my church right now, Governor, they'd be saying, you're preaching real good. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, I, and Governor, let me ask both of you. We're still having Netflix specials, network news specials, memorial celebrations. How important are, are, are the words, never forget? Well, I'll tell you, I, it was extremely important to me. And, and I was really, every September 11th, I get a terrible feeling. It's not one where where you look forward to it because it brings back the memory of the thousands of people we lost and the friends who, who I lost and who all of us lost. And you just have this overwhelming sense of sadness. But I was looking forward that this year could be different because 20 years later, it seemed like we had not forgotten that we had rebuilt. I would look at the memorial and the Freedom Tower and the transportation hub and St. Nicholas's Church reopened and say, we should be proud of what we've done. And now we haven't had a serious attack in 20 years. And But now, uh, I don't mean to change the subject, but with the hideous betrayal in Afghanistan, I am just beyond upset uh, that all of that effort for 20 years to make us safe from those who would attack us again has been, I fear, thrown away. I hope I'm wrong, but when you have the Taliban with these gloating at their so-called victory over America. We just left. They didn't win. Uh, and when you have groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda around the globe, everywhere, jumping with joy how America has been defeated, 
it leaves an empty feeling in my stomach that uh, uh, that 20 years of sacrifice, that 20 years of commitment to protect our freedom and never to forget has been thrown away in an instant by the hideous, hideous blunders of our leaders in Washington. And uh, I know there are differences to tell you that this September 20th, rather than having that sense of pride of what we've accomplished over the 20 years, I'm going to have that sense of dread as those who attacked us today are feeling more powerful than they have in decades. What might happen next? I hope nothing. Yeah, I, you know, I know, Commissioner, you're going to weigh in, but um, thank you for segueing into Afghanistan, because one of the questions that uh, has come up in my circles of discussion uh, is about American quality of life. What we reflect as the American way of life today, is it something that still appeals to the international community? Or is it something that, you know, uh, these nations that we were trying to influence now question? Governor? I I think uh, you're right in in questioning whether or not it's the American way of life that the rest of the world looks at as an ideal. On the one hand, it should be. Uh, And for a huge part of the world, it is. I mean, look at the southern border. There are millions of people crossing illegally, and that shouldn't be allowed. But they're coming here because they do want to be a part of America and do want to be a part of our life. We should make them come here legally. That's another issue. But it just points out the attraction of the American way of life. But to those who live in uh, autocracies where they are not allowed freedom of information, where they all they hear are the bad things about how awful America is, and now they see the images of the Taliban flaunting American equipment and cheering uh, America's leaving. Um, there are those young people who are just going to say, you know, maybe it's the Taliban that's the future and not the American way of life, and particularly in the Middle East where you have, whether it's in Syria, in Iraq, and and the Gaza Strip, where uh, there is very volatile, insecure situations, are young people going to say, hey, maybe the winning side of history is is in this uh, autocracy, in this theocracy, where we Hmm. surrender our individual rights to a more powerful leader who knows more than we do? I certainly hope not. And we have got to make every case around the globe that our way of life is the right way of life. But I do feel that it is questioned in parts Mm -hmm. of the world. Uh, we still represent the, the shining city on the hill for most of the world, but there are parts where we have got to do a better job of pointing out and showing how great this country is. Amen. Amen. Commissioner, you want to add something to this? Yeah, well, I, I just want to go back to the uh, never forget uh, question that you brought up before. And I feel that it's so important, you know, again, we say we're never going to forget. And, and I know a lot of New York doesn't forget some of the other parts of the country may, but I think for the families of the people that made the supreme sacrifice, they have to feel in their heart that we have not forgotten. No, we lost, in the fire department, we lost 343 members on September 11th. But since September 11th, we've lost 256 additional people in the department whether it was a, a firefighter, an EMT, or a civilian worker, 
because of their work at the World Trade Center. 256, mm. there's 256 more families that we have to convey to the message. We haven't forgotten the sacrifice that your loved one made and that you are continuing to make every day because somebody's not going to be at that graduation or that wedding or walk somebody down the aisle. And, and I think to me, it's so important that we still convey that message to our families that, no, we haven't forgotten as a city and as a country. And, and then to, to just segue on to what the governor said about Afghanistan, please let's not take away what the young men and women did over there for 20 years to keep us safe from the terrorists that might have arose in that country. And I, and I just hope that we have not opened up the door because Afghanistan is a long way away, but it was a long way away 20 years ago, and they got here. I think we're in a much better place to stop that from happening here. I, I feel like the things that we've put in place since September 11th, you know, with, with our government agencies, our city and state agencies, I think we're in a better place to stop another attack, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. And I, and I just pray that we're vigilant and we continue to be vigilant. We're talking. That is so true, Commissioner. The global village keeps getting smaller yeah. and smaller. Uh, Rabbi, you're going to give a yeah, we're talking, station call? We're talking with Governor George Pataki, 53rd Governor of the State of New York, FDNY Commissioner Sal Cassano, 32nd Commissioner uh, in New York City. You know, uh, I remember listening to a speaker one day talk about the phrase never again, uh, which became very, very important uh, after the Holocaust, after World War II. And he said, did we put a period after that phrase or a question mark? <laughs> and after the Afghanistan debacle, and frankly, I don't think anybody can fathom how we allowed this to happen, how we turned our backs on people who never turned their backs on us in terms of helping us as allies. Um, it's a shameful chapter. And uh, I, I hope, as you say, that the repercussions are not going to be deadly. Uh, but uh, it it's never should have happened this way. No one, I don't think anybody can condone this kind of behavior. Um, Governor, you mentioned the international community. And we've spoken about it on the air a few weeks ago. I, for one, have lost faith in the international community given what transpires at the United Nations, given the one-sidedness very often against Israel. Uh, this international community sounds good, but in, you know, in practice, it does so little to prevent so many tragedies. Think of what the international community could have done to some of these horrific places in terms of strangling them economically, doing more to prevent them from being so powerful, and yet their failure to act uh, is another shameful moment. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you have com countries like uh, Venezuela, Cuba, and Iran on the Human Rights Commission, uh, you know there's something wrong. Uh, but we can't give up. You, you just have to keep trying. You have to uh, make the case for the values that we believe in, for respect for the rule of law, for for tolerance for people with different ideas. And uh, even when we're outvoted or outnumbered, you can't give up because uh, the fight is just too important for us not to win. And however long it takes, we have to continue to engage and engage as aggressively and effectively as we possibly can. Let me just... Uh, 
uh, follow on to what Commissioner Cassano said earlier about the additional firefighters who have died from illnesses from Ground Zero uh, and the need to, to stay with the families. I, I can't tell you, Sal, how much I agree with you on that, that um, we have to understand that while we may have moved on, those who lost so much and those who are still suffering today from from those attacks uh, are people we cannot forget. And we have to understand that uh, the commitment we as a society must have to them doesn't end. Uh, and, and I very much appreciate your reminding us of that because there there is no more important message for those families than we will stand with them however long this continues. Yeah, you know, Commissioner, if I, I mean, Governor, if I, if I may, because you said something so important, events like 9-11, the COVID-19 pandemic, these things challenge the efficiency and effectiveness of our social systems and structures, especially in health care. How do you as a governor respond to those challenges? You know, I think the first and most important thing is to be open and honest with the people you're leading. Uh, you have to let them know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. You know, that uh, uh, that we can do A, B, and C, but we're not sure about uh, some of the other things. And, and, and when things are going well, to promote those that go well and try to encourage people to follow them, like with the vaccines right now. I think we should be doing everything in our power to convince anyone who hasn't been vaccinated that that is just the wrong decision and try to convince them of the importance, not just to themselves, but to us as a state and society to get those vaccines. Uh, but when you when things aren't going well, you have to be honest with the people about it. And I fear that with the catastrophe at nursing homes in New York State, mm-hmm. you know, 15, mm-hmm. yeah. 16,000 people died, and covering up those numbers is just uh, a hideous abuse of power. And uh, I commend uh, new Governor Hochul for uh, on day one saying there were 12,000 more deaths than actually the state had acknowledged. And that openness, that honesty with the people, this is what we can do, this is what we're not sure about, this is what was what is happening. That, to me, is the essence of leadership. And Commissioner, you know, September 11th, I think, uh, the American people saw that. Uh, they saw it from Rudy Giuliani. They saw it from me. They saw it from President Bush. Yeah. Uh, that there was no holding back people. We just all said, you know, what we believed had happened, what we believed might happen, and what we could do. And I think it's one of the reasons we were able to get through that horrible time so effectively. I, I agree with you, Governor. I, I think we have to, when you convey that message to the people that you serve, I, I think that goes a long way because, to me, the number one trait of a leader is integrity. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't have integrity, nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to believe you. And, you know, having the integrity to tell people exactly what's happened and be transparent, you know, that was tremendous at that time. Tremendous. You know, uh, as I listen to the two of you, I think back many times we spent together. uh, And one of the things I think has transformed you, I mean, you were always decent people. But as I watched you at many of the memorial ceremonies, I think September 11 deepened your soul. Uh, I see, for example, Governor... Families coming over to you, to you, Commissioner Cassano, and they just want to be in your presence. They want you to, you know, extend your hand, give them a hug. We call it the theology of presence. Uh, mm-hmm. And just being humane uh, is something that it, it should be 
It should always be there, but some people don't have that quality, and you two have excelled in that warm embrace and making people feel, you know what, I didn't forget you, I didn't forget your loved one, and I will always be there with you, and that means so much. Uh, Commissioner, I want to ask you something. We mentioned uh, Cardinal Egan before. Now, as I recall, didn't he try to administer last rites to you? He tried, but I wouldn't let him. (laughs) (laughs) What was the story there? What was the backstory? I was a little banged up. I was laying on a gurney. I mean, I was covered in dust. And and I I, I heard this deep voice that he had. And I thought, oh, this is not good. So I opened my eyes and I said, because I knew who it was. I didn't had my eyes were closed. But I knew who it was. Says, I'm okay, Father. I'm doing well. And he sort of was taken back by surprise. About oh, many years later, we 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 laughed about it because then he realized who it was, and uh, we had a good joke. But I wasn't about ready to get the last rites. I was doing much better than that. You know, oh, uh, that's that's a sermon right there. <laughs> All you have to do is say no thanks when it comes looking for well, you. Well, like let that. me tell you. Let me tell you the importance <laughs> of the value of a rabbi, a governor. Uh, I remember. There was a major fire uh, years ago in Carroll Street in Brooklyn, and uh, people were hurt. And uh, I ran over to the ambulance of a firefighter there. They looked up and they said, thank God it's you and not the Monsignor, because we see the Monsignor after a catastrophe, we think, oh, no. But we see the rabbi, it gives us a little bit more hope. So I remember I was at that fire, and I couldn't stop laughing after we, we talked about that story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, so, uh, Governor... Uh, you mentioned Governor Hochul, and you were very complimentary. And I know there's going to be a, an election next June. Uh, any announcements you want to make pre-June? Anything, <laughs> anything you want to share with us? Any thoughts? I've spoke, I spoke to our mutual friend, Jeff uh, Weisenfeld, who has you know, uh, certain, certain uh, admiration for you and uh, support for you. What do you think? One more time. Uh, I think this is a great state and, uh, <laughs> and with tremendous people. And uh, I've been around in politics long enough to know you never say never. But uh, uh, I just hope we, uh, that uh, we have a, two great choices next November. Uh, it's always good for the people to have a good choice. And, uh, uh, and I just want to say, Rabbi, the, the theology of presence. I had never heard that term before. I'm going to remember that for a long time because I've always felt that when your presence can do something to lift up others, you don't have to be the governor, you don't have to be the fire commissioner, you don't have to be a rabbi or a reverend, but when your presence can lift someone up uh, when they feel need, uh, it makes a huge difference. So that's something I appreciate you're saying, and I'm going to remember for a long well, time. You remember when we were kids and we were in Little League, whatever we were doing, and we looked out and we saw our parents there, how much that meant to us. Years later, we weren't so... Excited about seeing them at these events. But when we were young, just we looked out and said, they're present. And uh, it made us feel so, so reassured. You know, you know, Governor, it's good to hear you say that as a leader because, and Rabbi, you, you can attest to this in, in, in the Hebrew Scriptures, but when uh, reference was made to a shepherd, it wasn't the pastoral uh, position that we know today in houses of worship, it was talking about leadership, leadership of a nation, uh, leadership of a tribe. And there is a pastoral aspect and duty to leadership without the ecclesiastical title or designation. And I think that every leader has to be pastoral uh, from time to time. Do you find that too, uh, Governor and Commissioner? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's part, that's part and parcel of the job as a leader is, 
Yeah, you have to have that. You know, you have to be able to have people come up to you and talk to you and tell you what's bothering them. And if they can't do that, it's, it's a very tough thing for them. Anyway, as a leader, that's what you have to be. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Commissioner. Uh, the, the, the most important thing as a leader is to have good people around you. And you're not going to have good people around you unless they feel uh, that they can come to you uh, and, and in a very open and frank way. And I think part of the problem some of those who've come after me have uh, had is that uh, they've just... Uh, uh, manage to lead through intimidation, and you don't have good people who are willing to put up with that. So that pastoral sense that you refer to, I'd refer to as just an openness and willing to, to have an intelligent dialogue and listen to those uh, who are working for you. And in that way, you attract the best people, and by attracting the best people, you get the best results. So using a leader, right? A leader was asked, what do you think is the most important quality? He said, I just want a listening heart. And I think you, too, uh, are blessed with, uh, with a listening heart. There was a, a wonderful tribute. Uh, Commissioner, I know you saw uh, Bill Feehan, first deputy commissioner, who we lost on September 11th. Uh, but he, his son asked him, what do you want as your legacy? In the conversation, he said, I want it said, he lived for others. Yep. Well, you, too, you've lived your lives privately, but also publicly. You've given so much to your families and so much to so many others. And how grateful are all of us that we are the beneficiaries of your goodness and your greatness. Thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for what you'll continue to do in the years ahead to bring people together. Governor George Pataki, Commissioner Sal Kassan. Thank you, gentlemen. And we'll be back with more of the Rev and the Rabbi right here on WABC. Reverend A.R. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Petasnik, where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, Talk Radio 77 WABC and the all-new WABCRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Batastic. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, uh, we've interviewed many, many people, uh, many great people. Uh, I found today's conversation so, so comforting uh, in light of everything we've endured to know that you have people out there who don't call attention to themselves, but look at what we talk about as the common good. What's in the best interest of people working together, not separately from one another? And uh, George Pataki and Sal Cassano exemplify uh, that kind of collaborative spirit. You know, Rabbi, you turned me on to a book about morality. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember. Sure, Jonathan Sachs. And it talks about the we and the I, that there could be no I without the we. There couldn't be no me without the us. And that is so true. And when leaders understand that, I think they are more effective leaders. Yeah, and they appreciate others more. Be- you know, the governor said, you have to surround yourself with good, good people. We know that. And people who, who are valued, people who have an opinion that is going to be respected. Uh, you can't rule effectively by intimidation uh, because you're excluding people whose voices uh, need to be part of the conversation. 
And I, I just think of how often people think of the I rather than the we. And that's so contrary to religious tradition. Our prayers are written in the plural. The word life right. is in the plural uh, in yeah. Hebrew. Um, you, yeah. can't, you can't make it just about you alone. Now, we say that, but I don't know why it's so hard for people uh, to incorporate that into their ability to work together. But, you know, some of that is what we have to deal with in terms of the influence of the culture. You know, pop culture is very powerful, influencing and shaping and informing the minds of the very people who come, you know, uh, weekly to hear what we have to say, to expound on on the books of law and morality. Uh, that's that's very real, Rabbi, and that can be one of our greatest challenges. But you're absolutely right. One of our precious prayers is what we call the, the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. The It's called the Our Father. It opens up with Mm -hmm. Our Father, which art in heaven. So it's not my father. It's it's our. It's the collective body. It's the community. You know, we're approaching the uh, Jewish holy days, and you look at the prayers are written, you know, mostly in the plural. We talk, we have a confessional. We have sinned. We have erred. We have gone astray. We, you know, and uh, you don't just, you know, look at the other person and say, well, you are the responsible for all of this. I had nothing to do with it. You know, uh, going back to the, the Garden of Eden, you know, it's you know, don't blame me, blame her, blame the snake, blame someone else, but anybody but me. Wait, um, wait a minute, Rabbi. You mean when Adam said to to God, "The woman you gave me," yeah, <laughs> right. that you gave, me. Right, right. you gave me. He was yeah, blaming yeah, the woman fault. and God. Yeah, acceptance <laughs> of responsibility, um, and how how sad it is when when people don't learn that. You know, a Sinatra song, "I Got to Be Me." Uh, hmm, yeah. you know, some people take yeah. that to an extreme. It's all about the me. And certainly when we have these conversations, when we think of September 11th, think of all the people who, who gave their lives for others. They ran up the steps, many of them knowing they wouldn't come down those steps. They ran up the steps because there were others who needed you know, their strength and support. Um, that kind of selflessness uh, is something that we have to admire, respect, and emulate in terms of working with people. We need one another. Uh, we, you can't build alone. You have to, if you want to build a better society, you need and people who are different from one another, who have different opinions from one another. There's a blessing in Hebrew. When you walk into a room and you see many people, you make a blessing that God, thank you for creating people with different faces, and different ideas. Um, unfortunately, social media has taken us in a different direction in too many cases. Yeah, you know, I, I I will tell you, Rabbi, I think, I believe, more than I think, I believe deeply that it's not until we discover the we and our relationship, the individual's relationship to the we, to the group, that we truly find meaning and, and, and purpose. Because alone, we can't find it. Yeah. We only find meaning and purpose in the collective body and our contribution to that collective body. And we wake up each day, the we includes the Almighty, that uh, yeah. we have a relationship. Reverend, we've come to the end yeah. of the segment and the end of the yes, program. Yes, indeed. And I, I've truly, uh, I, I've learned today. I've listened and learned, and uh, to me, that's a blessing of life. So and I look forward to it. Do you want to end with a, because this, you know, this week coming up is a Jewish holiday, so you've got to end with a, a greeting with regard to that you know, holiday. You know, the governor said Chag Sameach uh, in Hebrew yeah. at the end, which means a, a happy holiday, but, but we have to think of what happy really means, and happy means when we're together with people we love, who love us, uh, in bidding a better world, then we'll find happiness. Uh, that's That, to me, is the goal, uh, the objective of the holy days, to be holy 
and to be happy together. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Rabbi, always great being with you. You know that. Uh, in life, as well as on the radio yeah. show. Yes, there's, li- <laughs> there's life after radio, too, for us. <laughs> yes, thank you. Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right. Next week. <laughs> Till next time. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. Always, we appreciate our listening audience. And spread the word right here, WABC 77, uh, the Reverend Rabbi. You know, join us, right? I agree. Till next time. God bless.